Deb Creer, rewriting the cancer playbook, an inspiring interview. Join us for an empowering conversation with Deb Creer, a warrior battling stage four triple positive breast cancer and thyroid cancer. She shares her mantra, I'm not fine, and that's perfectly fine, and her seven-step strategy for cancer patients. Deb challenges conventional perspectives, emphasizes the importance of living fully, and questions standard medical practices. This interview serves as a call to action to thrive despite cancer and to remember, don't die until you're dead. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm going to share with you a little bit of information about the guests we have on the show today. Deb Creer, a two-time cancer survivor, is trying to redefine the cancer journey. Diagnosed with stage four triple positive breast cancer in 2015 and thyroid cancer in 2023, she empowers fellow cancer patients to build supportive communities and expand their treatment choices. She also guides businesses in supporting employees with cancer, emphasizing empathy and communication. Aside from her advocacy work, Creer founded Wise Women Communications, LLC, a PR and marketing firm, and hosts the Business Power Hour podcast. She holds leadership roles in various businesses and academic associations based in Atlanta. I am so pleased to welcome to the stage, Miss Deb Creer. Welcome. Hello, April. I am so honored to be a guest on the program. We're going to have so much fun. We are going to have a lot of fun because you create so much fun in the world, Deb. So this is going to be a great conversation because you have journeyed and traveled through so many life craziness and all of the things and cancer, 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 right? So that is a hot topic that we're going to be talking about today because you're definitely an expertise and you want to change that trajectory of how we perceive Mm -hmm. and how we move forward when we have friends, family, ourselves that are diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So let's start out by sharing with the audience just a little bit more background about you. Tell us who you are, Deb. Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm from a very small town in Colorado. My graduating class in high school a long time ago had 32, right? Yeah, okay, can't get much smaller than that. 
And, you know, Colorado girl, I went to both the University of Colorado and Colorado State University and um, have been married 30 years. Wow. Um, you know, no kids, but dogs and cats, you know, so they keep They're us kids. active. Yep. Yep. We moved to Atlanta um, in 2012 and, you know, just love life and, and have a, a great time doing everything that, that we do. Okay. Well, you and I have something in common, Deb, because I too am a Colorado native. Oh. And so love the mountains, definitely a mountain girl, love hiking and exploring the outdoors and being outdoors every day of the year. And one of the things I love about Colorado is you really get to experience all four seasons and you get in all one day <laughs> in one day too. Yes. hundred percent. And so I think that that's wonderful that we share that commonality. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know now you said that you were diagnosed with breast cancer in what year, because I'd really like to understand the alignment of the transition. When you come from a place where you have stemmed and you grew up and you were so familiar with for so long, and then you create some sort of massive life change mm -hmm. where you where you move and you have a new environment and everything is upheaval, including identity. I'd love to know if there's any correlation with any of that. You know, it was, it's been a very weird story because when I lived in Colorado, one of my very first jobs in public relations, I worked for the American Cancer Society. Um, and uh, before then I had actually worked for an oncologist and I loved him. And a big part of how I've gone through this process was based on things that I learned from him. And that was, oh gosh, 35-ish years ago. Um, but it, his philosophy was, it was very different at the at that point in time than what, you know, that what a lot of doctors said. And, but I thought that I loved that. I mean, he was very much, we had to work with the whole person. Um, you know, a lot of what you do is is very much mental. And, you know, and, and he talked about diet, he talked about nutrition. And of course, 35 years ago, that was not what they talked about. Mm. And so, you know, here we moved to Colorado, or we moved from from Colorado to Atlanta. And I went in for, you know, my standard, you know, annual checkup, had my mammogram and got the phone call, you need to come back. Now, like I said, I know just enough working um, in the in the background, that I thought, well, that's not good. You know, mm. the machine did not break down. Right. Um, and so I went back and, and had another mammogram and turns out I had what they call micro calcifications. So no lump, no bump, nothing that, you know, was, was something that you would find. And these, these little specks are smaller than grains of salt. So the computer saw them, um, you know, and, and so that was, was, you know, kind of one of the blessings of technology and, you know, did my research, discovered that most women of a certain age start getting these as your bodies change. You know, it's just kind of a hormone thing. So and it's a common thing. It's, when... it's very common. Yeah. That you just have these little speakily specks that are floating throughout your body. But in some cases, because I just have to be special, um, they do start causing issues and, and developing into cancer. So, you know, like you said, this was 2015. Yeah. But, the, you know, they also said stage zero, which I know that's, you know, the easy peasy part. You don't even worry about it. And so I didn't give it, you know, yes, we went forward with with everything. But once I got further down the road, I, I gave serious thought to going back to Colorado. 
um, you know, and, and, and back to where my friends, my family. Now, the doctor I had um, worked with had retired. And um, so, you know, because that was my first thought, I had to go back to him. But, you know, it was 35 years ago. And, you know, and so he had retired. But it was, it was a challenge because we'd been here a couple of years, but I had friends, but you didn't have the support system that you mm -hmm. in many cases would want. And so, you know, that was, was kind of a challenge and bless the friends that I did have um, and, and still do have here because they stepped up. I mean, it was incredible what they did. Um, so, you know, went and, and, you know, met with the, the, uh, the surgeon. She did a couple of biopsies, which came back negative. So we thought, well, this is good, you know, had not spread. And then she said, you know what, let's do the big test. Let's take out lymph nodes. And so this was on the left side of my body. So we took out the, all the lymph nodes on that side. And, um, and so eight of 12 lymph nodes were positive. So that was not good. <laughs> that was, that was oopsie daisy. That doesn't um, sound good. I, and so I went from stage zero, not really all that hard to treat to stage three. Um, you know, just, boop, boop, you know, I skipped one and two, you know, and, and, uh, so then things got very concerning. So you know, when I met with the oncologist whose philosophy was, we're going to hit this with everything we can, because these little speakly specs, these microcalcifications were throughout my body, you know, and, and so this, you know, it is still considered breast cancer, but you know, where are these little specs? So my first uh, go round, and so we put a port in because, you know, it was, it's so much easier when you are dealing with a lot of um, IVs, a lot of blood draws, things like that, you get this port in your shoulder and the line goes straight into your heart. So aside from anything else, it speeds stuff up um, because, you know, your treatment just goes really fast. And so got my port put in, go for my first treatment several days before Halloween in 2015 and had eight different drugs. Um, you know, like I said, we threw the book at it and, uh, you know, it was yeah, it took over eight hours. I had Jimmy John's deliver lunch, right? You know, um, I, and I know, you know, I was like, oh, and, and you know, so Jimmy John's delivered and, and he'd been, you know, the, the driver had been there before. This was not an uncommon thing, but, um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I gave a out trick or treat, you know, uh, food, you know, candy to trick or treaters. And then I started feeling kind of puny, but I thought, you know, I just had this massive chemo. Didn't think, you know, just kind of thought, well, this is, this is normal. And then I realized this is not normal. I had a pain that was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I started running a pretty high temperature. I mean, just all sorts of things. And so my husband called, well, he had originally called the doctor and the doctor had kind of said, well, you need to come in. And then, then the pain hit. And so it was nope, call the ambulance. I went on a ride to the ambulance. Now, mind you, I am like I am right now all the time. I am chatty Kathy. I'm just having a good time. So I'm talking with the fireman. I'm having a good old time. Um, they had this nifty little little thing to get me down the stairs, um, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And I remember I'm in the ambulance and, and you know, our, the hospital is five minutes away from our house. And, and so I'm in the ambulance and we stopped. And I knew we hadn't gone far enough. And so I said, you know, why are we stopping? And the, you know, the, the EMT said, well, it's a stoplight. And I said, we're not going lights and sirens. That's the last thing I remember for hours. Mm. I crashed and I crashed big. And so what had happened was I got a complication 
that happens less than 1% of the time. Like I said, I got to be special. Um, and, but more importantly at that point in time and still may be, I'm not sure, but at that point in time, I was actually the only person who survived it. Most people, you know, did not because it was so uncommon that people didn't know it, but my doctor had lost a patient due to that. And so she knew Mm -hmm. exactly what it was. And so what had happened was, um, the, uh, the chemo had eaten a hole through my colon. And those things are not, you know, what's in your colon is not supposed to be in your bloodstream, right? And and so I skipped sepsis, basically, and went straight to septic shock. Oh. Um, and, you know, it was, I remember the, the conversations that the doctors were having in the emergency room, basically arguing over how fast I was going to die that day. <laughs> um, you know, my heart rate shot up to 200. I was tachycardic. You know, I had this incredibly high fever. And I'm still worried about now I don't want to lose my earrings. I mean, you know, it's just the stupidest things in the world. And so, you know, obviously (laughs) I I, I ignored those people who said I was going to die. Um, And I spent the next seven ish weeks in the hospital in and out of ICU. It was, you know, definitely a challenge. There were multiple other things that, that I had happen. And, you know, it was just, I mean, I had a cardiac incident. I had blood clots. I had all sorts of things. At one point I had 10 different doctors that would see me every day. And I didn't even know who they all were uh, because of course I had these massive infections and, and all sorts of things. And so finally, you know, I, I get out and, and I go home and then went back in for mastectomy. And I decided I was going to have a double. Didn't want to worry about, you know, this happening again. Didn't want to be lopsided. All those lovely things. Got a complication from that. Ended up back in the hospital. <laughs> you know? Oh, my and goodness. It was, it was another one where the, my doctor said, oh, my gosh, I've never seen this. I said, yeah, special. Hello. Um, and so, you know, just, you know, it kept going along. Um, and it was... It definitely a challenge, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, just kept kept going. I mean, that was was yeah. really the thing. Um, in amongst all of this, uh, well, you know, to date, I now have had about thirty three surgeries. I mean, it's it is oh. this massive thing. I know. I'm like, I have my own surgeon. I mean, who has their own surgeon? Um, but I did yeah. kind of keep this stupid sense of humor. You know, they would ask me, you know, now what is your name and date of birth? And I would smile at them and I would say Anastasia Beaverhausen. And I still do. And they're like, oh, God, it's her. Um, And, you know, but you do have to laugh at a lot of this. And I was, you know, I was like, oh, now what? Um, And, you know, and and in amongst there, I did get a little patch of skin cancer. So I actually have had three different cancers. Um, And then earlier this year, I had told them, I told my oncologist, because I actually am still in treatment. I still have my port. I go in every 21 days. They put nasty ickies into me. um, And and then I go merrily along. But um, I had told them, I, I complained about a pain on my left side. And so they, they did a CAT scan that didn't show anything there, but they said, you know, you've got a lesion on your thyroid. <laughs> oh, Pratt. And so, you know, a couple more tests later on that, they said, yes, you have papillary thyroid cancer. And, you know, when the doctor calls you, it's like, no, this is not good. <laughs> you see them on caller ID. It's like, not good. And, um, but we caught it so incredibly early that, you know, they did remove my thyroid and it's given my voice some, you know, I get a little hoarse on occasion and things like that, but, um, you know, but no further treatment for that. Um, and it was, it is considered a totally new cancer. It, it was not something that had spread. 
anything like that. So yeah, I'm just like, let's see how many of these we can have, but I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Dev's the forger of new things and oh all of these new statistics, it sounds like to me. Mm -hmm. And you have certainly gone through the ringer. You continue to do so, but you have, like you said, this mm -hmm. incredible perspective on the matter, the sense of humor. And many people uh, get that sense of humor oftentimes through career choice, mm -hmm. where whether you're in the medical field, the mm -hmm. first responding field, mm -hmm. things like that, where you need to develop that in order to right. cope with the coping mechanism Definitely. that we all have. And I heard you say something, Deb, with all of the story. And thank you so much for being so sharing and vulnerable and detailed in this journey that you are experiencing. And being able to share that with everyone is really powerful because there's many people who are experiencing mm -hmm. such things. So I love when we're this powerhouse and this light to be able to offer. And something that you mentioned was how you saw 10 different doctors in a day. What I would love to know is what was your experience with that? Because you said that now you have your own surgeon, mm -hmm. but as you've gone through this medical journey where you're going through different doctors and you're going to different offices, what would, what was that like for you? And how do you, uh, how do you feel about that now? Well, the first thing is you absolutely positively have to advocate for yourself. You are in charge, or if you're not then you have someone who is. So for example, my husband, um, you know, on, on the times where I was not able to, to do that, you, you are the person in charge and you have to say, you know, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm not doing this, all these things. And it was so funny when I had all of those doctors, because I was still pretty out of it. I could fall asleep mid sentence. I mean, it was just the funniest thing. Mm. And they, you know, they, they never, they always came in one at a time and they'd come in and they'd ask their questions and they'd leave. But they frequently stood where I couldn't see them. They stood behind me because I had this cool room. You know, when you live in a hospital, they actually give you cool rooms. And so I had a wall of windows behind me. And so they would stand there and look out. So they're behind me, you know, and, and so I, and when I finally got more coherent, I realized this is not the way this should be. And so they would come in and I would say, you need to stand at the foot of my bed where I can see you. They, nobody questioned it. They immediately moved and, and, you know, said, Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. And I said, and more importantly, I need you to tell me who you are and what your specialist is. Because if I don't know that, I don't know what questions to ask you or how to respond to your questions. And they all, you know, Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. So sorry. Now I did have one that said, huh, I have a name tag on. And I said, show it to me. It was under his lapel. And so, of course, I couldn't see it. And then I had another doctor who he was my infectious disease specialist. I loved him. I thought he was great. You know, later on in the day, he came back and he pulled a chair up next to my bed. And I thought, oh, God, I'm dying again. Um, because there were three times where my husband was told she's not going to make it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, he came and he pulled up in a chair and he said, you know, I have to tell you what you told me about identifying myself. He said, my ego thought you knew who I was. Mm. He said, it never occurred to me that you didn't know who I was or why I was there. Um, and, and he said, I will never again walk into a patient's room without telling them that. And, you know, and, and right there, that was kind of the thought of, you know, we are in charge. We have to say, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, you know, and, yeah. and things like that. And so that's just been a big part of it is we 
are the people that need to, to do that. Um, you know, and, and as I said, if you're not able to, then you need to have someone else who is. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective and certainly an interesting perspective on your doctor mm -hmm. because you would assume that maybe they would have that understanding where mm -hmm. people right. that come to you are not in the greatest state, mm -hmm. right? They're not physically, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, everything is disrupted. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's a very interesting perspective that you played out there. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, I think that's a really good recommendation to be able to have and say, when you're going through this situation mm -hmm. to be the advocate for yourself mm -hmm. and really communicate with friends and family to help advocate right. for you. Mm -hmm. So that's a great story and a really good insight to offer to people. Deb, what are some of the things that you would say, how has it impacted your personal relationships, this journey that you've had? You told us that your husband was told three times that mm -hmm. you weren't going to make it. And so many of us have that experience where our family is grossly affected mm -hmm. by our health conditions. So what was that like? What has that been like for you and your personal relations? Well, I mean, you know, he stepped up and has just been incredible. Um, you know, I, I could not have done it without him. And the you know, what what I can't I still cannot get my head around what he had to deal with, and I'm not sure I ever will, uh, because yeah, he was he was you know we we certainly were not expecting this. I mean, it would be almost like if you were in say a serious car accident, where you went where you were fine one day and not the next day. Yeah. Um, and my mom, who she lives in Kansas, uh, she came and stayed with us which that was, was good. Um, mm. you know, I am an only child. And so, you know, she was obviously very concerned. I, again, I can't imagine getting that phone call, you know, from my husband calling her saying, you know, Deb is in critical condition in the hospital because mm. I was fine earlier that day. I mean, it really was just the strangest thing. And, but the nice thing was between her and my husband and then my friends, I was almost never alone in the hospital. Somebody spent the night. My my aunt, my mom's younger sister came out uh, twice and she is a nurse practitioner. So that was really good because she spoke that language. Um, and, but yeah, people stayed with me in the hospital. They spent the night. So that was just phenomenal, um, you know, because it was, it was good for me, but it was also good for the staff because they knew that there was somebody in there with me who could, mm -hmm. uh, you know, take, uh, some of the burden off of them, but it was, you know, and like I said, I mean, I had friends that they would come and stay so that mom could go back to the house because my husband of course had to work and, um, you know, and, and do all sorts of things. So, you know, it was, I think the, one of the hardest things was actually asking and saying, I need help. Mm. Um, because we don't want to do, we don't want to bother. We don't want to be a burden. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that was been really weird have been my friends, some totally dropped off the face of the earth. People who I thought would be kind of my big support system. No, no. I mean, yeah. gone. And, and I thought, well, I guess that friendship was over. <laughs> and then other people who I, in, I, I honestly didn't even think knew I existed have been very big support system. Um, you know, and, and so it's just, you kind of just let it go the way it, it happens but yeah, it's been incredible that journey where, you know, you're not quite sure what's going to happen or who it's going to come from, but you know, it, it does find a way. 
Deb, I think it's quite important that you bring that up, that you had friends that you expected were going to be there. They were going to be your strongest mm -hmm. advocates that, you know, disappeared mm -hmm. and went right. away. And mm -hmm. there was a different transition in your life when it came to people and friends and relationships during this time. Mm -hmm. And it's, I say that it's a very important thing that we bring up here because I hear it from many, many people mm -hmm. that when something drastic happens right. in life, this is a very, very common thing. And I think it's important for people to hear this, to know it, to mm -hmm. understand it, to expect it. Mm -hmm. Because if we go in not expecting that and expecting that right. everybody's going to be there for us. Yeah, that they're going mm -hmm. to have the support system that they assume, mm -hmm. and then it doesn't happen. It can be very disheartening. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be disheartening regardless, because these are our people, right? Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful about it is it leaves room for new energies, mm -hmm. new relations right. to move into our lives, mm -hmm. and to have this different engagement with other souls mm -hmm in the world because mm -hmm. our, our, I feel, and I would love to know your perspective on this, but it's really so much of our soul's journey. When mm -hmm. we have these challenging times come into life, it's our souls wanting to grow. Mm -hmm. They need to experience right. these things in order to bloom and to gain mm -hmm. the experience necessary in order to evolve. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, did I want this to happen? No, but I hope I feel that I'm a better person because of it. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully a better friend. One of the things that, that I do, and it throws people on occasion is I'll tell them I love them, you know, and it's one of those things. And, and it, but it's, it's when I mean it, I mean, it's just, as, Hey, I love you. No, it's, I love you. Uh, you know, and, 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 I think a part of that is because you never know when you might not be able to say that. Mm. And I want people to know just how special they are to me. And, you know, there have been a couple of times where I've actually brought people to tears because of that. But, you know, it is something, you know, don't don't pass up those times. Uh, you know, it was and, and but give people kind of the grace to also deal with this on their own. Uh, you know, I, I when I first was diagnosed and knew that we really were going to have a serious situation, I had texted my best friend. She still lives back in Colorado and didn't hear. And I thought, meh. And so I texted again. And then I thought, well, you know, she has a work phone and a home phone. So maybe I got the wrong one. And so I texted again and still didn't hear. So then my feelings were hurt, right? Oh, I'm crushed. And then she finally texted and she said, I'm having a hard time with this. Give mm. me a little bit. Then, you know, and so, and, you know, I, and so that was fine. I mean, I knew that it was going to be okay, but I needed to give her that space. And so, you know, it was like maybe a day. I mean, it wasn't a long time. Then she texted and she said, okay, what do you need? She has come out twice from Colorado and spent time here when I needed uh, assistance, things like that. And so, yeah, give people the grace to deal with that. And that's mm. probably one of the biggest questions I get is people say, my friend, my partner, my coworker, my whoever was diagnosed I don't know what to do. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and I had people that told me, they said, we didn't know either. And it's very much like when someone dies, you know, we, we don't know what to say. Yeah. We don't want to make it worse by talking about it. Um, but at the same point, 
you know, when we ignore it, then people do think we don't care. And so you know, one of the things I've been known to tell people is, you know, Hallmark has cards. <laughs> and, and the funny thing, I actually still have all of the cards that people sent to me. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Um, but yeah, it was just. Don't you wish we could just make a, a quilt? You know how know, they. That's what I'm thinking, you know, something like a, a wall hanging or something. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the fact Bring that it. they thought about it to do that. And then, you know, people sent gifts. They sent some of the cutest things in the world. And, and some things that like were little, like little angels and things like that, that were in my pocket anytime I went somewhere or in my purse. So that, you know, and, and, um, but one of the, the nicest things that somebody sent me was one of those people that I didn't think knew ex I existed. I mean, you know, we, we were obviously friends, but not you know, anything more than like Facebook friends. And I got this, this handmade teddy bear. Aww. So that was cool enough right there. Right. And, um, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's very clearly a handmade bear, but the note in it said, my church choir prayed over this. Oh, that's and powerful. I used to be in a church choir. I mean, she could not have sent me anything that meant more. So little mm -hmm. bear has this very special place of honor where the dogs and the cats can't get to it. Right. Um, or the people who had prayer shawls made for me, things like that. But, you know, we also had people who sent food, who sent, you know, all sorts of stuff. That to me was just, just as valuable, but the people who, even if they just texted thinking about you today, you know, yeah. that, that meant the world. You mentioned a lot about community support. So this mm -hmm. is absolutely it. And when I hear you talk about prayer, mm -hmm. you know, the power of prayer, I think sometimes is underestimated, mm -hmm. especially by those who really aren't familiar with it or mm -hmm. don't partake in it mm -hmm. uh, consistently or, or on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's so much scientific study mm -hmm. even behind that, the power of prayer really mm -hmm. produces miracles mm -hmm. when there are many that come together to have this intention mm -hmm. of healing mm -hmm. towards one another. It doesn't matter what religion, denomination, mm -hmm. it, right. does, it has nothing to do mm -hmm. with that. And it has everything mm -hmm. to do with the intention and the energy and the heart and soul right. put behind mm -hmm. it. And so I think that is so, so powerful that you mentioned that, that, that I would like to believe is a huge partaking mm -hmm. of you right. being here today. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go back and shed a little bit of light uh, again on the relationship step. Why do you feel, what is your perspective on why we have relationships that, you know, are so ebb and flow during times of crises? And I would also love to venture and say that really you talked about, um, this is, this is like a death and there's so much emotion where it is all of these things that are happening. Uh, and there was a word that I wanted to come to, and now I can't remember. It's grief. Excuse me. There mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Grief. Right. So it is mm -hmm. all a sense of grief mm -hmm. and grief is more than just death. It's, mm -hmm. it's so many different things and there's right. all of these different stages. Mm -hmm. So going back to the question of what are your thoughts and your your understanding of why our relationships are in such ebb and flow during mm -hmm. these times? Well, I think part of it is it does make us think about our our own mortality. And, you know, and, and so we don't want to know, no, that might happen to me. So I'm not going to think about that. But mm -hmm. we also don't want to think about what could happen to our friends, our loved ones, um, you know, and, and so it's kind of the, the ostrich syndrome, you know, we're going to put our heads in the sand and we're going to ignore it 
because then we're not going to have to deal with it. And, and, you know, and, and, and I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to think about things. Uh, it was funny. I did not want people visiting me in the hospital. I just, you know, no, don't want, don't want people to see me like this. And mm. I looked atrocious. Um, you know, that one big massive chemo treatment was enough that it cost me all my hair. Um, but it was really funny because I, you know, they, it was coming out in clumps. And so I had a friend come in and she's a dog groomer. So she had all the tools, right? And oh. she just, rawr, rawr. Um, and the really funny thing was, you know, I had the parade of doctors in the morning. I looked pretty much like this in the afternoon. I'm bald as could be. And they were all like, whoa. <laughs> you know? um, but so I had no hair. Um, I had the lovely um, what they call an NG tube. So I had the tube that went in my nose and then down in, you know, and I lost probably rough guess about 50 pounds in a very short span of time. So I went from looking normal to looking like, you know, I well, was truly death warmed over. And so I didn't want people to see me. And then I realized that was wrong. I needed people to come and see me. And so then when people said, Hey, you know, we want to come and, you know, bless them. There were some that came in and, and couldn't, you know, couldn't handle it. There were some that came in and went to the far side of the room. <laughs> you know? But the fact that they did that meant so much. Mm -hmm. um, and I do have to say, there were several who said, oh, yes, we're going to come. We're going to be there at two o'clock on Wednesday or whatever. And then they didn't show up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And that was crushing. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, but things happen. I mean, you know, so if they would have said, oh my gosh, got tied up at work or whatever, that would have been perfectly fine, but just nothing was not good. Um, but you know, I want to come back to, to your, your comment about prayer, because to me, that is, is so important. I'll admit I'm the type of person that goes to church when my mom makes me right. <laughs> you know, Um, but I also know how important it is to have that support. And so anytime I would get, you know, prayer, good thoughts, whatever people wanted to call it. And, and typically it would be, Hey, you know, going in for surgery, you know, going in for this, going in for that. I always felt like there was a bubble around me of just this support. And it made such a huge difference because I knew I was not alone. And by giving people that opportunity to, you know, whether they just, you know, said a quick little prayer you know, quick thought, whatever it was, it, it really meant so much. I mean, I really did. It, it truly was like there was this support around me. And, um, you know, and, and so I always try to do the same thing for other people. Hey, you know, thinking about you, sending a quick prayer, whatever it is, just because it, like you said, it's kind of a cumulative effect, right? Yeah. Deb, what do you do 
now on a daily basis, you still, like you talked about, you still mm-hmm. go and have your, you, you yourself checked up on a regular mm-hmm. basis mm-hmm. and you still maintain as much positivity in the world as you can mm-hmm. and share some light. And I think what's really great when we decide to lead by example, it really shifts the way that we show up and that's all internal and external. So mm-hmm. what I would love to know is what are you doing now to really help maintain the utmost health for yourself on, you know, you've had this big mm-hmm. journey, you've learned a lot of things. What are, what are the things you do now? Well, you try and have as normal, and I'm putting that in my little air quotes of life as possible. Um, you know, yeah, it's different. I've had so many things happen that, um, it's changed what I can eat. It's very strange. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm not really supposed to have anything besides just water and two liters, liters of water a day. No, I can't do that. I'd never, you know, they, I'd never make it out of the bathroom. Um, but because this has affected my kidneys, um, I've had procedures four different times on my kidneys to try and, and help them. Who knows what's going to happen with that down the road. But you do think, okay, I'm going to eat better. Now, that said, I still like a Big Mac every once in a while. You know, um, But I do try and take better care of myself just in general. I mean, you know, and so you can see it with my blood sugar, with all of those various things. Um, there's, I'm usually at some type of doctor once a week. I mean, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. This week was root canal week. Yay. Um, which is obviously totally not, you know, pertinent to, to having cancer, but it was just kind of there. Um, but it is kind of about that. I do, tr- I do have my own company. You mentioned it in the introduction. So I work now. The nice thing is what I do is virtual. So anywhere I have internet, I can work. And I tell people I work while I'm in the hospital. Hospitals have really good Wi-Fi. Um, there've been times where I've been in the hospital for fairly long periods of time and my clients never knew it. I just kept working mm. right along. Um, all of those things. But I did start, and it's it's on the screen. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, this initiative called TryingNotToDie.Live. And that all came about. I had a, a very good friend who told me, she said, you know, you did not go through what you have gone through without using it to help others. And mm. I was like, oh, but I don't want to be cancer girl. Oh, you know, wine, wine. And she said, no, 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 no. And because I value her and her opinion so much, I I thought, okay. so the try not to die part comes from several things. The first is the fact that when you are critically ill, doesn't matter really what it is. But when you're very ill, you get so focused on trying to not die that you forget that you have to live. Mm. And it doesn't matter five hours, five days, 50 years. You still have to live. Um, and you know, but it also came from the fact that when I was in the hospital, you know, some medical person came in, did something left and my mother did the mother face, the "Mm, disapproving man. And I went, what? And she said, you did not say thank you. And I said, oh, for God's sakes, I'm trying to not die here. (laughs) And, but that, that really is part of that whole process. And, you know, Mm. I am a marketing person. So I was going to be trying not to die.com and it was not available. And then when I discovered that dot live was, I mean, that was just fate, right? And so live is actually an acronym that we created. And it's about leading your tribe from your family to your physicians. You have to lead your coalition. Hmm. Invigorate your soul, putting yourself first, 
as if it's your life on the line, because it is. You have to voice your feelings across a bridge of honesty, for only the truth is actionable. Mm. And then you have to elevate your mindset with belief that you will indeed be fine, no matter what the results are. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that last one. Yeah. You know, and and again, it's, it is, it is you know, is it five hours? Is it five years, whatever it is. And I'm very lucky. I mean, nothing has shown up mm. on scans except for this thyroid cancer since that first big, big thing. Um, it was obviously very potent. It killed all those little cancer cells so far. And I've made it past some of the dates of when you, when you worried, but um, you know, so I started this initiative and it's, it's threefold. We work with patients. Um, I had somebody just today contact me and they said, my friend has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Can she call you? Of course. Um, and, you know, and, and there's, you know, we give lots of ways for, for people to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to talk with people. If they're here in Atlanta, I've been known to go with people to doctor's appointments, things like that, to, to be there for them. Um, and then we work with the family, the friends, the coworkers. You mentioned that uh, we work with employers. How do you deal with uh, an employee or a friend or a loved one who has cancer? Um, and then we also work with medical people. They have what they call patient-centered care. And I tell them, no, no, I'm a marketing person. That's called customer service. And a lot of times you don't do it real well. So how do we get past the fact that I'm not a patient? I'm a person. And, you know, all of those various things. And, you know, it, 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 we do talk a lot about we are warriors. We're cancer warriors. And we're building our tribe. And a big part of the, the warrior part comes from someone, they sent this to me and it says, you know, fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. And the warrior responds, I am the storm, storm, right? And I even have warrior tattooed on my arm where I see it. You know, when I'm in the hospital or at a doctor's appointment, it's right here on my forearm so that I can see it. And, you know, it's, it's just about how do you continue on and, and how, if possible, can we help you? Um, because that's, that is the big thing is what support can we provide to people? Yeah, absolutely. Deb, you, you started this thing. How broad is your expansion? What does this look like of the people that you serve? Well, you know, we do, it it does kind of end up focusing a little bit on breast cancer just because I'm a woman and I had breast cancer, but it's, you know, it is for anybody who has cancer, but it is any type of serious critical illness because the concepts are all the same. We have to be in charge. We have to advocate for ourselves. Part of it is the fact that, you know, you do need to have things like living wills, your regular will. And I don't care if you're 18 years old or 80 years old, folks, we need those things. And the cool thing is you can pretty much do them online to, you know, to at least a basic degree. So, you know, you need those things in place because you never know what might happen. I tell people, you know, I kind of operate on the hit by a bus theory that I could get hit by a bus at any point in time. So I I have those things in place. But, um, you know, now it is about things like making sure that I don't have toxic people in my life. Or Mm, if I do, we limit that. Um, How can we have more positive people in our lives? How can we meet wonderful people like you? Um, and, and, you know, all of those various things just to kind of help each other out because we're all in it together. Um, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. 
I love what you're doing too with the the show that you have. You've been doing that for a long time. Deb, what are some of the most profound stories that you've heard? What sticks with you or has stuck with you the most that you've heard speaking with so many people listening to all their stories? You know, we, I had one person I was posting on Facebook and, and we do have a private Facebook group. The The link is, is on our website, obviously. And it's only private to keep out the people who are going to cure us, um, you know, because that happens too. Um, but uh, I, I had done a post on Facebook and someone responded and I, I, almost all my posts are public on Facebook. I'm just kind of one of those people. Right. And this person who I do not know responded. And all he said was, I have never felt so alone in my life. Broke your heart, right? And so I, of course, immediately responded and I said, what can I do? But what was really cool about it, other people who did not know him said, how can we help? Um, you know, and, and he didn't follow up. And when I reached out, he didn't. So maybe, you know, he just wasn't at that, that space where he could. But, you know, we also, you know, we have those, we have people who say, you know, my loved one, my friend has lost their battle. And those are always very sad. But when somebody posts in our Facebook group, I had a clean checkup today. That does it right there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm good. That's what really helps. And now we, we always worry. I mean, you know, until the day we die, we will always think that every bump, lump, ow, ping, pang could be something serious. You know, when, when I was thinking I had, you know, a problem here with my tooth, I'd tell my oncologist about it. And she said, no, no, you just got a bad tooth. Um, but, you know, we will always <laughs> worry until the day we die that it's going to come back. And that really yeah. is kind of one of those, those things. I mean, it's going to come back. You just are waiting for that. But, you know, it's, it's like I said, how do you get between here and there? Um, and that's the important thing. You know, we can either try to not die or we can live. Ah, uh, I love that. You have some really great stories, Deb. Thank you so much for sharing. What was some of the things that you discovered during your time of healing, during all of those days and nights? where it was very, very challenging. You didn't know that you were going to make mm -hmm. it, but you were there enough to be able to start integrating mm -hmm. some daily things, some daily habits. Was there anything that you found to be the most helpful for you, whether it was writing, reflections, mm -hmm. mental aspects? Was it meditations? Was it having the community around you? What was some of the things that really impacted you the most? You know, it's funny. I don't journal um, and I don't meditate. I should because I know I would sleep better, right? Because my mind is always going. And if I could, you know, and, and but no, that's just kind of one of those things that escapes me. I think it was in knowing that I had that community and that I had mm -hmm. that support because we do think we're alone. Like that gentleman said, you know, we, we feel like we're alone because we're going through this by ourselves. I mean, it's not like everybody else is in there having the same surgery. Right. But uh, to me, it was it, knowing that it was okay to ask for help. Um, you know, one of the things that I tell people is, you know, and, and you mentioned it in the bio, you know, I'm not fine. And, mm -hmm. and that's one of those things, you know, Hey, April, how are you doing today? Fine. You know, and it doesn't matter, 
you know, we could be ready to die or ready to run a marathon. And we're going to say, fine. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of that, that thing that we say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we need to know when to say we're not. And, and it's okay to say we're not, especially mm-hmm. to your doctors. You know, and, and that is one of the things that I tell them is anytime somebody says I'm fine, you quiz more. Um, you know, and, and so it's funny. I tell people I'm a hunky dory. And so if I go into the doctor and I don't say I'm a hunky dory, they know there's a problem. Um, you know, and, and, but I think it, it, it's, I, I found that I was a heck of a lot stronger than I thought I was, uh, you know, because there were times where I thought I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, you know, the, in many cases, sometimes the pain was just, you know, from, from some of the various things it was like, I just, I cannot do this. And there are still times where you have the pity party right? You know, I've had 33 surgeries. I have a mass of scars and, you know, and, and I can't eat a Big Mac every time I want to eat a Big Mac or, or have more than one cup of coffee. I mean, all of those stupid things. And, and, but I've, I've also learned it's okay to, to have that pity party for yourself. Uh, It's actually normal, right? You know, you you shouldn't be Miss Pollyanna all the time, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's also, you have that pity part and then you get out of it. Um, you know, and, and it never fails, you know, I'll be thinking, Oh, woe is me. And like a St. Jude's commercial will come on. I'll see a child with cancer. I'm like, no, no, nothing. I'm no, uh, -uh." um, you know, or a veteran maybe who has lost a limb or you just hear about somebody else who has something worse. And then you're like, yeah, right. Stop complaining. You got it pretty good. Uh, you know, and, and, but, and you know, like when I look at my scars, I tell myself, but if I didn't have them, I wouldn't be here. Um, you know, and, and they like, you know, I mean, some of them are 10, 12 inches long. These are, these are ugly, nasty scars. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be here if, if I didn't have them. Yeah. Deb, you have shared so much with us today. Thank you so much. What is something that you are, are journeying to do? What is the next thing for you? You have these big audacious goals and the way that you're serving others in the world and advocating for their voice and to be there by their side when they're going through these times. So what is it? Is that the next big thing for you? Really just to keep growing and spreading this message. Um, and, And that's what I love about being on podcasts like yours it is, you know, it's, it's a fabulous podcast. First of all, um, I loved, you know, listening to and watching some of your other episodes, you know, just such great guests, but it is a way to reach people in a way that five years ago, we never could. And so, you know, it's just, how can we get more people knowing our message? And, you know, even if they go somewhere else, all those various things, I mean, like I have an entire page of resources where people can go elsewhere how can they know that it's okay to feel bad for yourself, to advocate for yourself, to take charge of your, your, yourself, to help others, you know, to feel bad for them, you know, all of these things. We just want more people to know that it's, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that being said, for those of you who are watching, I've had it displayed on the screen a few times. Deb's website, she says that she has numerous resources for you. Check it out. It's www.tryingnottodie.live. And so visit that. And for those of you listening in, you can hear that. 
the trying not to die.live. And always in the description below, that is where you'll find all of the information for the guests that we have on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Deb, it has been truly a wonderful experience with you. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? Well, you know, it's, it's at the top of the website. Life is the only thing that can defeat cancer. You know, might not cure it, might not do anything, but if we live and truly live, we can defeat anything that comes our way. What is your favorite part about living right now? You know, I don't know. I just, I have a blast with everything I do and, you know, just trying to make sure I have fun. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and yeah, things, things happen, but you know, like when I had to have my thyroid surgery, my surgeon who's done at least five surgeries, he was like, he's, Oh God, you're back. And I said, did you miss me? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and I took him one of our bears, you know, we have these cute little bears that have our, our logo on them. And, and I left it for him. And I said, you know, thank you for taking such good care of me. Um, you know, and, and I mean, that's just kind of one of the things is, you know, how, how can we appreciate others and show yeah. our gratitude? Yeah. I have a comment that came through. I want to bring in, uh, Haley says, love how you are helping others. You're a perfect example of someone who is living every day with purpose. It's beautiful. Thank you, Haley. And reach out, you know, I'd be, I would love to connect with you because I'm sure, you know, you're a, a wonderful person. So, you know, check us out. We would love to connect. You and Haley would be an excellent connection for one another. Actually, Haley was a guest on our show previously. I sent Haley a request to connect on LinkedIn earlier today because I, I watched her program on your, on, uh, I watched her interview with you. Yeah. Yeah. Very good fit. Very fitting. So I love that. Uh, well, this is the magic that unfolds. And again, I really appreciate having you on the show here with us today, Deb. It has been a magical experience. So pleased to be able to offer this to the audience for those who are experiencing any sort of uh, transitions within cancer and or have friends and family, loved ones, anyone experiencing that, which is most of us. We know someone that is living with cancer. And so it's definitely a hot topic. Um, Haley again says, saw, and that's why I joined in today. Uh, yeah, again, the, the power of this mm -hmm. incredible opportunity, this day and age of technology. So Again, thank you so much, Deb, for being a light on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much to our audience. For those of you who are tuning in, the show wouldn't be possible without you. So goodbye for now, and we will see you next time.